Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast, a podcast that's focused on inspiring uncommon and different thinking and really encouraging and inviting you to make positive change for yourself, those around you, and the world at large. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Harmer, and in this particular episode of the Positive Change Podcast, we're talking about the futures and more specifically, what excites me and frightens me about what might be coming next. So, listen in. Hi, I'm Dr. Richard Harmer, and you're about to discover new ways to go from overwhelm to thriving in your business and in your life by following your passions, pursuing your unique life purpose, and stepping fully into your infinite potential. You deserve to live your best life, a life filled with all of the clarity, courage, and commitment you need to be happy and to make a positive impact on the world. So get ready, because this podcast challenges society's expectations for what it means to be successful in life and in business, and invites you to grow beyond outdated assumptions for defining who you are. Welcome to the Positive Change Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Harmer, and In this particular episode, I'm answering a question from one of my clients that's about the futures. And the question is, what excites and frightens me about the future? In the words of Jim Data, a futurist who spoke about three myths about the future, he did say one of his first myths is there's no such thing as the future. The future does not exist and cannot be predicted. I mean, he speaks about this in a way because he says there's no such thing as a singular future. There are futures, plural. There is a range of potential futures, infinite potentials of futures, and the decisions we make today make more futures more likely and other futures less likely. So when I think about this idea, what excites and frightens me about the future, then the first thing that comes to mind to me is, well, there's actually no future, there's futures. So which futures excite and frighten me? Which are those ones that, that have a positive or a, uh, an enticing momentum or trajectory for me and those which I feel slightly repelled by that actually might be important for us to consider because the real challenge here about thinking about the futures is we can't just focus on the ones that feel good. We have to be thinking about those ones that might not be feeling so good too as a way of fully getting the repertoire of what might be possible and what wildcards might disrupt us so we can know how to work with them. So that is my first thought. And the f- second thought when I think about what excites and frights and me about the futures is to is also to recognize that the future has already happened in a way because the past and what we we've done already determines how our today is the decisions we made decades ago for example around how we thought about the ozone layer and co2 and um and carbon emissions decades ago is currently impacting how we're experiencing climate and extreme weather conditions today. The decisions of the past determine our experience of the present. And therefore, the decisions of today will determine the futures that we experience. The future that we're going to experience is hidden in the patterns of our behaviors of today. The past, the present, and our potential are all interwoven into this very moment. So what we do now what excites us and frightens us now will have a significant impact on the futures we will more or more likely or less likely to experience. Having said that, 
also need to think about as I start to unpack this question about what excites and frightens me about the futures is the futures are many and the futures are both personal, that is individually orientated, what's my future or what are my futures and collective, what are our futures, what are society's or humanity's futures. So maybe the place to start is to think about the collective futures first and then come back to what that might mean for me personally and what excites and frightens me about that at an individual level. So one of the fundamental things that we can think about when we think about futures is what's called the PESL framework. A PESL is an allegory, I think it's called, where PESL stands for P is for political, E is for economic, S is for social, T is for technology, L is for legal or regulatory, and E, again, is for the environment. And if we think about these, these are the significant human-level systems that we are working with. What are the political environments globally, the economic environment or situation globally, the social conditions, the technological advancements globally, the legislative or regulatory or legal environment globally and the environmental conditions globally this is the big picture stuff and each of these we can think about as a past a present and a future or past present potential let's look at the political landscape first globally and what that seems to be doing and what uh, that might mean well politically there appears to be an increasing based on geographical um, or so, um, sovereign states, an increasing polarization of our political systems, particularly in many parts of the world who have a two-party preferred system, say in de- de- democratic societies. But politically, we are working more and more to some extreme conservatism, uh, extreme libertarianism at the same time. So politically, there's greater polarization and increasing inability to find middle ground. Now you can't consider political landscape globally without thinking about certain parts of the world and we've got geopolitical uh, wars occurring at the moment out of the Ukraine um, and parts of the Middle East and other uh, parts of the world including political instability even within countries. If you think about what's occurring in the US right now there's there's political polarisation between the extremes of the, of the Republican movement and the Democratic movement and similar applies in other two-party systems in the world including in some parts or recently in Australia less so at the moment with our change in political um, party in the last federal election but still political polarization and inability to find middle ground uh, and consensus to work with is really problematic at times and it's going to be really an issue because some of the global issues we're dealing with particularly in some of these other elements of pestle require a unified globally unified approach which is very difficult with sovereign states with disparate political systems the economic environment i think we're really coming towards the end of endless or an, an, an understanding of limitless growth of our economies There are some real constraints coming from some of the other parts of PESL coming through, particularly the environment, that is really saying to call into question, well, how can we continue to have endless growth when we have scarce resources? And that sort of leads to what is driving our economy um, at the moment is feels 
more towards not an, an illusion of abundance when reality is at a resource level is scarcer, but actually a scarcity within the economies where the one percent of the richest people in the world own 80 percent of the world's wealth that scarcity that ability the inequality of our economic system is really creating extremes of wealth and extremes of poverty where the world's middle class is really stretched in two directions trying to sustain an economic stability where extreme poverty the break the gap between the uh, the haves and the have-nots is really uh, expanding or, or becoming more divided this is something i think economically we that are, again at a global level we really need to be thinking about there are some significant opportunities for how we think about a resetting of our economic systems capitalism is one example and, and some of the work of capitalism 3.0 and 4.0 that are that are sort of trying to work through how do we have a more democratized version of how wealth is distributed globally is it's not really my area that i'm working in but really fascinating how there's a lot of people working in this space right now trying to understand how do we bridge the gap between the haves and the haves nots and and a resetting of our economic systems in this way this leads us to the social element of again the haves and haves nots those people not just economically but socially are in situations of inequality and um, a lack of a valuing of diversity in our social environments you can look at that within many countries within the world and even communities within countries where the social statusing of the haves and the haves nots the the privilege the less privileged the uh, the inequality and the inequity that's occurring at a social level is really starting to be challenging on many fronts and that ideological difference that and you can see a trend here i'm seeing i'm showing like polarities and distinctions here that that make it really challenging to have a thriving society a thriving society needs and requires all elements of our society to have an equal opportunity for choice self-determination is in psychological terms is what I'm referring to here is the ability to choose one's own destiny if socially we're unable to do that because of social norms that, that preference patriarchal over matriarchal societies or even a way of understanding that is really there's some significant opportunities and I think we've made some wonderful progress in this space particularly in the last few years around uh, gender and equality uh, same-sex marriage for example but there's a lot of work to do in this particular space and australia is no different particularly when we think about our indigenous peoples our first nations peoples and how we work f with reconciliation in this front that moves us on to technology the t of pestle i tell you what there are some radical accelerations in technological advancements particularly in the last um decade and i and i think i was reading somewhere just the week before last maybe it's a little further back from than that, that the singularity, a point in time where artificial intelligence becomes as intelligent as human intelligence, the singularity 2042 from memory, that's, that's you know, 15 plus years away. That's actually not a long time when we think about the technological advancements that will occur that to, to even have a, a likelihood that artificial intelligence will be able to think like a human and do so more effectively and efficiently is mind-blowing what's going to be happening we can't even 
comprehend what's occurring in that space. But again, there'll be some ethical considerations there. Many of our um, leading technologists in the, the globe are saying we should really be thinking about the ethical ramifications of artificial intelligence accelerating its intelligence faster than human beings. There's something to really be thinking about there, which I'll get to in the next element of legislative. But the real challenge, I think, of, of technology is, yes, there's definitely improvements around efficiency um, and automation, but the depersonalization and, in essence, the curation of our experience based on algorithms is going to um, result in this really... I think the danger here is that we miss out on living life or experiencing life fully because one, it's so complex we can't comprehend it all, which comes back to development I've spoken about in a previous podcast. But actually technology curating what we what we see in a way that continues to re, uh, feed back to us what we've already liked means we're getting more and more and more polarized. And you can see this in our political system and our social structures, even more polarized because we're just getting more of what we like rather than what we need to see. And technology has a lot to answer for, particularly in social media in this particular space. The, the, the pursuit of mass personalization, which ultimately becomes even more depersonalized, is, I think, something that's a rise for concern. That leads us to the legislative, the re regulatory and the legal environment. Um, the creation of laws to protect us from all these other things. Well... I think the real challenge here, because you've got political parties involved in our legal and legislative system, is that, that sort of separation between church, state and um, the law is really fascinating at the moment. Again, because we need global laws to deal with global challenges and laws are created at a sovereign level. That is going to be very um, fascinating to, to work with because fundamentally our legal system in the way it operates in, in enacting um, things into law and then the precedents created around those laws takes a long time to establish how the law gets interpreted and some other elements of our um, situation, technology or environment require things to happen a lot faster than that. Finally, the environment. This is a podcast topic in and of itself. The fundamental collapsing of our environmental systems and uh, extreme weather conditions um, food and water shortages um, the inability for um, s our soils to maintain its vibrancy and killing our own soil erosion so many factors in our environment uh, based on on climate change is significant cause for concern and if i think about that factor as it relates to future generations wow they're going to have some hard work to deal with some of the decisions that we've previously made and continue to make that make it really challenging for our environment to look after itself because we as a human species certainly are not okay so on that note just unpacking just some thoughts around pestle you can see here that seems a little doom and gloom <laughs> as I read it through. And maybe um, maybe that's um, true and maybe that's just my own lens at the moment that is a cause for concern because I th what really strikes me as I come back to this question, what excites and frightens me about the futures is this sense of polarity of what's good or positive or exciting or attractive or enticing and what's negative or fearful or um, to be avoided that polarity 
forces like a half view of reality. Like the true S element of what I've just shared around Pestle is that there are as many good things happening around um, political environment, economic environment, uh, the social, the technological, the legislative and the environment itself. There are many good things happening as well as not. It's what the what is presented to us through the where we get information and knowledge and um, data from. What really strikes me as I share this is is how important it is to not play small at the moment, to live life fully, to live with love and a degree of abandon and abundance at the moment because there are many things to have us feel fearful about the future. And I'm going to get to the technology, the one that's really I've been thinking a lot about in a moment. But there's a lot to be grateful for and a lot to be excited by when we think about the futures and what's possible. And I'm going to end this podcast in in what I think is what's possible here. But there is lots to be considered. And that brings me to really thinking about technology in a bit more depth. The significant impact technology technology tends to be a leader um, the leading some of these other elements of, of pestle like we wouldn't necessarily need to enact a new law around social media regulation if we didn't have such a social media bonanza in the last five to ten years really uh, driving how we consume news and information and you know the alternative facts this as we enter into at a social level the more pluralist society where um, there's no objective reality. The reality is co- co-created and constructed. The more we get alternative and uh, uh, alternative facts and um, multiple versions of the truth, and this pluralist nature makes it really hard to navigate who's right. Well, we all right, and who's wrong? Well, we're all wrong. And how does that actually play out? And technology is playing that through its algorithm and how we it feeds information um, to us. If I just think about social media, but even technology around. Automation uh, uh, in many organisational contexts, the future of medicine uh, and healthcare, and you know, d- working with people living longer and so on and so forth. So, um, the real challenge that I see of technology is a dehumanising of our experience at scale. If we think about the industrial revolution, starting from the first one, mechanical; the second being um, electrification, the third being automation, fourth globalization and and, um, and digitization now, this sort of fourth and fifth industrial revolution of globalization and, and, and digitization. What we're really um, exploring here is that we're all data points that allow machine learning to learn more about the 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 collective patterns of behavior as a way of then one side supporting us to make more effective decision making and the other side helping us know what telling us what we need to buy at what time so there's a the technology and big data and the um internet of things where everything is inverted commas smart to a degree allows for a significant level of consumer comfort but consumerism nonetheless and that leads me to what I think is coming next, which is really exciting, is from digitization, that extreme of the, the dehumanization of things, the technology of things, is a return to personalization. Um, this element of making 
and supporting the individual human to become more authentic and more intimate with with ourselves this sort of sense of personalization of things so for example at scale this might result in um, some really interesting work around circular economy where big businesses those polluters in our society are personally responsible for addressing and redressing the environmental carnage that is being created rather than them organizations being immune to these things it's actually now becoming a personal individualized at scale consideration of you did this therefore you need to pay that this element of creativity and and bespoke creativity or bespoke personalization of scale everything from um, dna driven drugs to support um, diseases through to curated um, and supportive relationships based on um, psychological needs this personalization at scale is significantly fascinating and exciting i think for the future of humanity and i was just reading the other day about we're entering the next renaissance and the last renaissance being you know this 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 bringing together of po- politics and art and um humanity in in a mixing pot and this next phase of our renaissance of humanism coupled with purpose coupled with um, inclusivity, creativity, and a degree of g- being a global citizen—not just a, um, not just a country citizen, but a global citizenship—is really, really interesting. I think this this personalization at scale, as we move beyond technology driving decisions to people driving decisions about technology, I think is really fascinating and fills me with um, excitement and hope because to be honest at a very individual level the future is looking pretty bright for a psychologist right because anything that's around empathy and care and deep self and other understanding and a willingness willingness and a desire to be more intimate and authentic with each other that's what i love to do and that's what i'm really excited about when we move beyond people as resources to people as humans and the connectedness and what we can discover from each other as we pursue our humanness together that fills me with excitement about the potential of our futures all we need to do is overcome the real problems of today (laughs) to get there and that means really at a global level coming together around our political landscape economic goals social priorities and uh, a sense of health and happiness and well-being for everybody and inclusivity for everybody technological advancements that serve a human benefit not a commercial outcome or not just a commercial outcome legislative um, creation that is ethically sound um, politically neutral and supportive of everybody and the environment really working hard to work that bit out that's the that's something that is essential for us to be working on now because the ticking time bomb is pretty close you know four minutes to midnight type stuff so we really need to be working in this space so perhaps a reflection from this particular podcast is recognizing that the future hasn't yet been created the futures are possible and we make choices today that make some futures more possible than others 
And so it's the choices you make, the choices I make and the choices we make together that create the futures we are more likely to experience. What choices are you making today to create the futures you most want to experience in the future? Until next time, see you soon. Hi, and thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe using the button below and make sure you also click the bell icon to get notified every time we release a new episode. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, we have them in the link underneath, as well as our social media handles and some links to free training and other offers that we drop from time to time to help you go from overwhelmed to thriving in pursuing your best life. So go ahead and check out this episode's show notes if you're interested. And thank you so much for tuning into the Positive Change Podcast.